0: Welcome to Crosspoint, 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 Crosspoint. An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor.
1: Our battles are ever present. Our equipping for the battle is a process. What is God's design for a victorious church? Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today is Jackie Tyre. Founder and apostolic leader of City Gate Atlanta and Kairos Transformation Ministries. She also carries a passion for revival, and do we ever need that today here in America? Now, with me here on Cross Point, I'm talking with Jackie Tyre. We're talking about the corporate armor. And uh, when I seen this book that uh, Jackie put out, I've just gained my attention because. Folks, we live in a time where we really need that kind of farmer of what she's talking about in this book. So, Jackie, thanks for being with us here on the program. And I know that uh, you're um, you've been involved in the battle spiritually speaking uh, for a while, and so you've got a little uh, insight into helping us with this. In the introduction of the book on page seven, you talk about uh, say I'm convinced that we that as we learn to move together in his Ecclesia properly aligned and functioning according to His order and in obedience to the assignments of the Lord, we will be empowered to advance and be protected and victorious beyond anything we've ever seen. So if we're doing what God's called us to do, really we can't be stopped unless we want to do it ourselves. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. And uh, Mark, it is an honor to be on with you today. And a lot of this goes right back to when Jesus commissioned the church. and He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, which is the word ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's corporate. It's not just individual. Um, so I think as we come together, we're listening to the voice of Holy Spirit revealing the will of the Father, and we move together as one. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us, because that's what Jesus said. And when He gives a promise, it's filled with the power to fulfill it.
1: How how important do you believe, Jackie, that it is for us to be um, living our life in what God has called us to do in life? I mean, how important is that to us, and how much more does that affect how we can be effective in life?
2: If the Lord, our God, is the creator of all life, and he's the one that formed us in our mother's wombs, and in Psalm 139, he says that before he formed us he wrote a book about it. In other words, he set out the purpose for which we were to live. And so if he's our god, is it not reasonable to think that we would do what he created us to do, more importantly that we would be who he created us to be. And then the the mystery in that is and the blessing of it if I can may say it that way is that when we discover who God created us to be and out of our being begin to do what He created us to do, we will find the greatest fulfillment and the greatest joy that life has to offer, and out of that we will see the greatest fullness and fruitfulness, personally and corporately, because you cannot be who you're not created to be. And I believe that's a part of the challenge we have in, if I may say it this way, American Christianity. If we keep trying to be something or be someone that God didn't create us to be, and if we would simply take the time to find out who it is He created us to be and be that, we would lose a lot of our stress and anxiety of life, and we would find a great joy and productivity that doesn't take as much stress or energy.
1: You know, Jackie, it's been said that the kind of person you are, and, you know, if you call yourself a Christian and you want to serve Christ and you want to put on this armor and you want to go out and and, and serve the Lord in the world, then the question that I've heard before I've thought about was, in the mornings, do you wake up to man's alarm to go to a job, or does God wake you up to go to your calling? And to me, that mm-hmm. would to me would get a person, you know, like there's many times, and I maybe it works with you too as well, I hardly ever wake up by an alarm because I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I feel like it's a call upon my life. So I usually wake up long before my alarm goes off to get my day started. But, you know, to me, that's the way really we need to address uh, of some of those areas of we're called into or are we just go into a job.
2: Right, and I think some of that, the ability to wake up, and even that unction to wake up before the alarm, is God's internal clock that He put in us. And it gets clouded a lot of times because we're so busy trying to do something we weren't created to do, or we have not entered into the rest of the Lord. The Word of God says that we are to labor to enter into rest. That's not just sleep, that's not just inactivity, it is coming into a peace where our soul is at peace, our thoughts are at peace, because we have found the rhythm of God, and we can rest in our activity, and there's a soul rest that happens that God then touches us and wakes us up. For many that are intercessors, they may get that touch at three o'clock in the morning, And pray for a couple of hours, maybe go back and sleep for an hour or two. But when they awaken, they're not tired because they've been in the rest of God. They've been doing what He created them to do. And I believe that is such a key for us in this hour because when we are who God created us to be and we are properly positioned, then every joint supplies what is needed. And we all benefit, the entire body benefits. And Ephesians 4 says that when every joint supplies, it causes growth to the whole. And that's not just numerical growth, though that does happen. It is spiritual growth, it's emotional growth, it's uh, all kinds of growth of the body, but also of individuals, so that we are receiving and we are giving, because supply goes both ways.
1: Yeah. Now, in the chapter one of the book uh, called The Armor of God, in the area of the blessed place, breastplate of righteousness, you say righteousness is not simply about right standing before the Lord, but also about right living as a demonstration of Christ's life to the world. What are you trying to tell us there?
2: Look at it this way. If we have truly put on Christ and we have Christ living in us, And we are living, as we say, surrendered as followers and disciples of Christ. Is it not natural that our behaviors would line up with the one we say we're following? And I believe in our religious thinking, we can fall in two ditches, either on the ditch that says, well, I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, therefore I am righteous and it doesn't matter what I do. And that's a ditch that gives no responsibility for us and no fruit of righteousness. But on the other side, the other ditch could be a ditch of legalism, where we say we have to do everything exactly right in order to be righteous. And I don't believe that is true because who among us does everything right? Who makes every decision right? We don't, but we're in pursuit. But when we embrace the righteousness of God that has been given to us through the blood of Jesus, and we allow that righteousness to determine and guide us uh, in the choices we make every day, then our righteousness that is imputed becomes righteousness that is manifested by the way we live, the way we treat other people, the decisions we make in our daily life. And I believe it's a time for the body of Christ that is being challenged on this point, on every front, that we not just declare righteousness, but we live righteously. I believe that would bring a lot of correction to the course of parts of the Church. I'm trying to be careful how I say that, but we have parts of the Church that are embracing things that are blatantly anti-biblical, anti-righteous, and somewhere along the way, We have to come into a course direction that we have imputed and manifested righteousness.
1: Well, I agree with you in that area there for sure. And and, you know, I'm I'm always an advocate of, of prayer. And you say in here, in the Arm of God on page 21, you say, prayer is the communication line that links heaven and earth and brings the army of the Lord on the earth into the alignment with the assignments of heaven. That's a great statement, and that's how uh, prayer is so important to this whole part of this armor even being able to work, isn't it?
2: It is, absolutely. Uh, it's how we come into an agreement with the heart of the Father. Because prayer in its, um, I would say, is the best expression. It begins when we're praying our hearts, but it culminates when we're praying the heart of the Father. And as the church, when we come together in prayer, we are listening as much as we're talking, and perhaps even more so, that we're listening for what is the Father saying? What is Holy Spirit revealing to us? What is His will that we need to come into an agreement with so that as we move forward, we're praying what He wants prayed, we're saying what He wants said, we're aligning our hearts and our words with His, Jesus said He only did what He saw the Father doing. And I believe prayer is that place where we discover what the Father is doing, and then we join Him in that work so that it is brought into the earth. Well, let me say this real quickly on that point. Years ago, a uh, young woman, intercessor. I would have people come to me and say, will you touch and agree with me on this particular issue? And there were times that what they were asking me to agree on, my spirit man just was not at peace. And I said, Lord, what do I do with this? I'm I'm learning. I was uh, in my early 30s, didn't know a whole lot. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said to me, When you're coming into the place of two or three being in agreement as touching anything so that it is done, be sure one of those two or three is me.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: And I think that's where we get off track is the principle of two or three agreeing works because it's a spiritual principle. But we need to be sure that we're agreeing with Jesus because when we agree with the prayers of Jesus, those prayers we know will be answered. Now
1: great thing to point out there back um, to the armor of God you know mm-hmm. you point out in here Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 18 all of us I believe in Christianity at one time or another have heard a sermon on it or read it you know we look at it as as we're reading it individually you know it's something for us to do as an individual but you're saying too in this that we need to look at this as a corporate uh, way of understanding that this is a corporate, deal that for the whole body of Christ, for the whole church. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. Let me back up a little bit. The way this revelation came to me is that the Holy Spirit asked me a question. Um, He said, if the book of Ephesians is accepted as a book to the church, in fact most theologians, which I do not proclaim to be one, I am a student of the word, I would not proclaim myself as a theologian, but most theologians say that the book of Ephesians is the greatest handbook for the operation of the church. And so Holy Spirit said, if you believe that, why do you only take the armor personally? And it got me thinking, and then he just began to show me how it uh, fits together. But to me, that is such a profound question. That if we look at Ephesians from beginning to end, yes, it addresses some individual things, but it's all in the context of the corporate body. Then should we not look at the armor as being for the entire body to put on? Now, I want to say this very clearly. This does not mean that we should not put it on personally, that we shouldn't live in the armor of God, in the truth, righteousness gospel of peace, shield of, pick, taking up the shield of faith, putting on the helmet of salvation, taking up the sword of the Spirit. We should do that every day. We should stay in it day and night. But there is an element of us coming into the corporate understanding that together we're armored as the body of Christ to advance against the forces of darkness.
0: Yeah.
2: Because they're they're moving together. And we must move together, armored with the very character, nature, and authority of Christ to advance.
1: Okay, so now, Jackie, this book's called The Corporate Armor. And I know that you have a ministry there in the Atlanta area. Can you tell people how they can find out more about, you know, a copy of this book or maybe some of the other stuff you've done or your ministry in general? Or maybe I guess you come and speak maybe in places and that. Could you kind of inform the people on that?
2: I'll be glad to. Thank you so much. Uh, you can go to our website at com, And I am going to spell that for you because it's different. It's J A C Q U I E T Y R E.com. Um, and in that website, you will find our local ministry, which is City Gate Atlanta. We are a, a kingdom center. We do training, equipping, Worship together and minister the word on Sundays, um, and we're here in Peachtree Corners, just north of the city of Atlanta. Very easy to find, and uh, have a great group of folks here. Uh, we've been in existence for 13 years, and I'll tell you, we've got people that love Jesus and love each other, um, and our. One of our main things is worship and intercession together, really operating in this corporate armor of God. The book is also available, the corporate armor is available through our website or also through Amazon and on Kindle if uh, people prefer the electronic version. And I do come out and speak and go to places and minister. Not just out of the corporate armor, but that is clearly a message that is passionate
1: on my heart. All right. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to be back with more right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today is Jackie Tyre. We're talking about the corporate armor God's designed for the victorious church. And uh, Jackie in the book here. Another section of a page 32, You said, In our modern culture, we have become far too independent and self-sufficient, and as a result of finding ourselves weakened and easily defeated, even viewed as a dead religious organization, rather than a dynamic, spiritual, life-giving body. Why has that happened Uh, to cause the world to look at us that way? Well,
2: I think some of it, Mark, is where I started with that statement. We're so independent. Um, we have a tendency, I can do it my way. We have adapted, give it to me my, my way, and I did it my way. And you can think of Burger King and some other popular songs that came along through history. And as American people, we are, we pride ourselves on being independent. And when we are independent, we become isolated. We become uh, self-absorbed we can become very uh, (laughs) cut off from wisdom and counsel that comes in the multitude of people around us that carry a greater wisdom than we do. I would hate to think that I had lived out my life thinking I could figure out what to do in some of the scenarios I faced in life. I couldn't. There was no way I had the resources in myself to do that. And where I found my greatest strength and the protection for my life was when I found other people who were on a pursuit of the Lord, who were students of the Word, and who had experiences that I didn't have, who had wisdom that could look into my life from outside, not in the midst of perhaps the pain that I was walking through in a moment, they could see things I couldn't see. And I believe that when we operate in isolation and we operate in independence, we become prideful, we can become very uh, arrogant, and we become disconnected from the realities of what people are living through. And there's a counsel of the Lord that He reserves for the multitude of counsel. He says that there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. And I believe us negating that in so many ways in our American culture has caused us to err and move away from what the Word of God says. We've gone into independent thinking because, and we've ended up, let me say it this, way. we've ended up in a place that oftentimes, what the church looks like is not what it looked like at the beginning. It we're not walking in the, the love and the power and the manifestation of the kingdom of God. I remember when I was fifteen year old fifteen years old, Mark, I said to the Lord, The church doesn't look like what I read in the Bible. And yeah. it really staggered me. Um And actually, I said to the Lord, if this is all there is, I think I'll just go to the way of the world. They're having more fun. And I believe that is a question and a statement that many in the world are saying when they look at us, because in our independence, we're not demonstrating love. We're not demonstrating community. We're not demonstrating even the power of the gospel that we say we believe And the world is looking for the supernatural. They're looking for real community. They're looking for an embrace uh, with people that care about each other, love each other, but also are committed to the very things they say they believe in and to the person they say they're following in Christ. It is the reality of the authentic, and I believe community Brings us into an ever increasing measure of authenticity of the kingdom of God being manifested on the earth.
1: In the book here, you've got at each chapter. Uh, where people can, you know, ask some questions and you have to close with a prayer. Now, have you made the book in a way that it can be used kind of like in a, a Bible study or uh, cell groups or something like that? Is that the reason you kind of laid that out or just for individual uh, ways? kind of?
2: It can be done both ways. I did it that way because I really felt like people needed to not just read straight through and charge on to the next chapter in an information-only manner. The Lord taught me a principle years ago of lead people to discovery. And so I present the information, I present the revelation, if you will, of what God has taken the Word of God and broken it down and allowed me to see it this way. But I really want people, as they read it, either individually or in small groups or Bible studies, that kind of thing, to have something they can discuss, get it, Ask the tough questions. Uh, Any revelation that is true can stand up against questions. And some of the things that we have believed over the years need some questions asked. I had to ask myself questions when I was doing the study and the research for this book. Like, God, I've never heard this taught before. Is this legitimate? What would the breastplate of righteousness on the body of Christ look like in a corporate manner? Why why have I only looked at it personally? Um, What good is it doing me? What good could it do the whole body if we were armored in righteousness? We would be coming against and being able to be victorious against the assault of unrighteousness. So that's the context. It's just to get us to think. And to ponder and process with the Lord so that the revelation and the truth that I believe I'm presenting here gets into our being, not just in a new thought pattern of what we, oh, I read that, but really to let it transform us.
1: Chapter six, I believe, is called The Evangelist uh, in the book. And in that chapter, you tell a story, uh, which I would consider practicing what you preach, Uh, about, and I'll just read a little bit of it here. You talk about one of the largest electronic music festivals in the world, over 50,000 from many nations in attendance have been coming to Atlanta for two years, bringing witchcraft, sorcery, and all manners of of wickedness with it. And then you also talk on the other page arrow that you begin to take teams in some of the most satanic nightclubs and raves in the city of Atlanta. Okay, so now you're going out uh, taking some of this stuff head on with this armor. Uh, why did you do that? and why would you want to do something like that? Why?
2: Well, the reason why we did it is a couple that is a part of our ministry here. Um, had an outreach into the EDM, electronic dance music, community. They themselves had come out of that community, um, and everything that that community embraces in lifestyle, which is drug-infested, it's filled with debauchery, total darkness, demonic on every front. And because they had been radically saved and then discipled for a number of years, the Lord had really put on their heart to go back into the darkness to rescue the perishing, And so they had been doing this and going into some of these places, but they were spiritually getting beat up because they were just going. And when we connected and began talking about the corporate armor and being sent into an assignment, just not going on your own, we began to Corporately, as a group of us, as a, as the church prayed for them. We did prayer walks around the nightclub and then they would go in. And I'll tell you this one story that they did in a nightclub. They went in and they set up a spiritual readings booth and they were prophesying over people and or it may have been dream interpretation and they were setting up for the people in the nightclub to come to them. Right next to them was a psychic. Well, the team that went from us went in with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God was giving them revelation to minister the hurts of the people, bringing them into salvation. Well, the psychic said that the atmosphere was messed up and she couldn't read anybody. And so she packed up and left and went home because the Spirit of God overcame the spirit of darkness, and so we saw in doing this that these going in as evangelists, even going in with that prophetic anointing to point the way to righteousness, they went in in the gospel of peace and crushed the works of darkness, and so we saw the manifestation of the evangelists being sent in, which is the apostolers, going in with the prophetic to point the way to righteousness and bring people hope in the midst of their darkness, going and carrying the gospel of peace, which is the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, which is the evangelist, they went in and set captives free. And some of those that they ministered to came out, and then they were able to teach them and pastor them in the days ahead. So why did we do it? We did it to rescue the perishing. And we saw great fruitfulness. And from that one, we ended up, uh, our teams ended up at one of the largest worldwide EDM festivals, prayer walking, ministering, and setting people free, and ended up actually shutting the thing down in the spirit so that they'd not come back to Atlanta again.
1: Now, well, that takes some pretty powerful stuff to do that. And, of course, many Christians don't understand they have that power available to them, do they?
2: That's so true. We don't, have, we don't realize we have the power, and because we don't realize that when God told us to go, and he promises us a harvest, that that promise is embedded with the power to accomplish it. And we allow the fear of the unknown and the fear of the darkness to cause us to shrink back and not be moved with compassion for the lost. Now, I'm not saying just anybody should go at any time. There was a training and equipping. There's a call of God. There's the assignment of God. If you notice, when I talk about those festivals, I actually didn't go. I prayed, I did do some of the prayer walks, but when it came time for the assignment, I will be honest, I wanted to go, and Holy Spirit said, this isn't your assignment. You send them in and keep them covered in prayer. And so we have to know, what is your assignment? Who is it that God has called to go? And then be at peace with what He's called you to do, and empowering those that are set to go.
1: Yeah, that's very good. Very good. Okay, so Jackie, again, tell people how they can find out more about this book, The Corporate Armor, and also your ministry there that you have in uh, CityGate Atlanta.
2: Right. We have a kingdom center. uh, We do training, equipping, and also a congregation here at CityGate Atlanta. You can find us on my website, and you can get to it actually two ways, through JackieTire.com, J-A-C-Q-U-I-E-T-Y-R-E.com, or at citygateatlanta.org and you can find out about the ministry more about the different things that we do and also the book there and and we do have a media vault on there where we have the recordings of our messages and different conferences and things that we come in so that you could hear a little bit more about what we do at CityGate.
1: right, well folks stay with us. We're going to be back and talk to Jackie some more right after this.
2: A place of hope. Christian radio is encouraging you. It's lifting you up. It's speaking positive stuff you, It's reminding you, oh yeah, God is bigger bigger than what you're going through. God is greater. Experience hope on 91.7 The Word.
1: Welcome back. This is Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. With me today, I have Jackie Tire from Jackie Tire Ministries. Uh, The Corporate Armor is the book we're talking about today. God's Design for the Victorious Church. And you've got a section in there, uh, Jackie, you talk about the pastor shepherd, and I'm looking at page 93. By the way, the book's not a really big, giant book, so it's a, an easy book to carry around with you and to, and to read and to study, and then also to use in a actually a Bible study type of a deal to kind of... Uh, get a little more talk about what you're reading, uh, but on page 93 it says, "When the sheep are lacking in faith, either due to the immaturity of a of a young faith or the weariness that can come." <clears throat> any after extended times of testings and trials. They lift up the shield of faith to protect guard and shelter. The pastor shepherd, as one who, with the Lord, is the source and the full expression of faith, becomes an extension of Christ and the shield of faith over the body. So talk to us about this pastor shepherd.
2: Well, I I love pastors, um, shepherds. I, I use that word a lot uh, because of the, really, if you go back into the Greek and the imagery that is in Scripture. Shepherd is a, a great imagery for that role that we typically call pastor. Um, pastors come alongside people. Uh, in our modern American church, we refer to the pastor most often as the one who leads the church, but the person who's leading uh, the congregation may or may not Uh, have the shepherding pastor gift. I lead a congregation, but I'm not necessarily pastoral. I can be, but it's not my leading gift. But there are those in our midst, that that is their passion. They love to come alongside people, not just to keep them in the place of dependence, but to help them grow, to be refreshed, to be replenished, to lead them beside still waters, if you will, to find a place of refreshing, to set a table before them and to feed them, to help nourish them, to help them come into a place of of restored strength, to come alongside uh, the newly born again and care and nurture for them through the healing process. Because you know, as well as I do, that when we come into the kingdom and we see people that are coming in out of a life of difficulty or a life, any life, quite honestly, without Christ. There are things in our lives that need the tender shepherding care of someone with greater faith than we have to help care for us and to help nurture and bring us into healing and deliverance. And then we also, when we've been busy about the kingdom work and we've gone through battles and and just Honestly, you get worn out at times just because you've been at it so long. It's good to have a shepherd to come around and help envelop uh, envelop you and help you restore and come into that place of soul restoration so you can get up and go again. And I believe it's vitally important for the body of Christ, individually and corporately, to be in relationship with those that carry that shepherding pastor grace to help shield and build up the faith so that we can keep moving and advancing.
1: Now, you do mention about old wineskin pastor shepherds and new wineskin pastor shepherds. Can you give us a little insight into what
2: that is? Well, that, you may be getting me in trouble with some folks around here, but that's okay. <laughs> I've got a list in the, in the book and I'll do this comparison. Old wineskin pastor shepherds are seen as the senior leader of the church. New wineskin is a part of the five-fold leadership. Old is responsible for weekly preaching and the new for developing and helping oversee discipleship into kingdom le- living. Old wineskin pastors, and this may be the most important one on this list, is people focused. New wine skin or God focused. Old wineskin pastors need motivated, their needs motivated, and new wineskin pastor shepherds are motivated to see everyone walk in a healthy soul and that their soul is restored. Old wineskin are easily swayed by whatever is needed to keep the sheep from leaving. But the new wineskin is motivated to see all God's people grow and mature into being effective and fruitful. And let me say this. I believe that a lot of what we might call old wineskin pastors, the motivation of the heart started as as the right direction. And having been in ministry for a number of years, I'll just say it is so easy to get pulled in to being motivated by what you see in front of you. But God is calling us, when whatever of the fivefold offices that we're in, He's calling us to press in and have our first love restored, press into the Lord and get His perspective. Shepherds, by the very compassionate nature that they carry, get pulled on a lot by people that are needy, people that want things, and we have to have God's perspective to know how to minister to them, to love them, care, and nurture, bringing them into maturity so that their needs are ultimately met in Christ, and they then become... People that can help supply the need for others who then grow and mature, and we become multipliers of multipliers. We become those that care for others that then care for others. And the body life improves and it strengthens, and the entire body is brought into a greater measure of maturity.
1: Do these shepherd pastors actually? Have to be a pastor of a church, or can they be something different out there in the corporate body?
2: Uh, Absolutely, they can be in all kinds of places. Um, I know those that carry that pastor-shepherd gift that are in the corporate workplace. And they shepherd the people on their job. They care for them. They become the person, if you want to envision it, as having a cubicle and somebody gets a bad diagnosis from a doctor. Do you know where they go? They go to the person in the cubicle that has the pastor shepherd gift because they know they can have somebody that will care for them that will walk with them, that will care for their needs in the midst of their trauma and the midst of their problem. So it's not just limited, and I think that's where we have gotten isolated from the world in many ways, is if we have expected all of the functions of, of God's fivefold leadership to only function within the four walls of the Church. And God is calling us to... Take who He created us to be, whether it's within the fivefold or you just simply have a a gift of compassion and mercy. Be who God created us to be everywhere we go. If you're in a restaurant and you're prophetically gifted, ask the Lord, what would He have you say to your your waiter in a way that is non-religious? Don't say, thus saith the Lord, just minister life to them. If you're an evangelist, ask questions that would lead them to discovery. If you're a shepherd, you may notice that your the waiter that is caring for you that day looks down or sad or like they're carrying a real weight. Ask them how you can pray for them. Be the shepherd in the moment, and I believe this is going to cause the body of Christ, the church, to become uh, more impactful and legitimate, if you will to the world around us because they will see that our faith is alive and who we are is consistent day in and day out.
1: Chapter nine of the book The Teach or number eight I guess it is is the teacher you say there on page 103 today we desperately need kingdom leadership teachers who have the mind of Christ with solid biblical based and uh, understanding to bring the body into fuller manifestations of the mind of Christ, which is the strongest defense against the mind attacks of the enemy within the church. It is lacking a biblical understanding. There are gaps, though, which the enemy can infiltrate, even the core foundational beliefs that are critical to the faith. Tell us about that.
2: If you watch some of the, uh, reports that are out through, um, some of the system, the people that do research, like what do people believe? What do people believe about the Godhead? What do people believe about the virgin birth? What, and this is not just people in the world. This is people in the church. What do people believe about abortion? What do people believe about Uh, uh, homosexuality and you will find such a broad scope of answers and you start looking at what people believe and you're like where did they get that it's not in the word of god when we have and i hope this is not too controversial for your show but when we have churches and believers going it's okay for abortion. I had somebody confront me recently that abortion isn't murder. Life doesn't begin until breath comes. And I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. Where did they get that? This was a pastor. I was so dumbfounded. I mean, I shouldn't be. I know that. I know they believe this. But they had the the nerve to confront me on a social platform that that I was being a heretic because life did not begin until the baby took its first breath. That's what I'm talking about. We need some good, solid, biblical teaching that especially, well, for all ages, but I'm very concerned about our children that yeah. are not yeah. being taught the basics of foundational truth that Jesus is the only Son of the living God, that He came, He was born of a virgin, He lived a sinless life, He suffered, He bled, He died, He went to the cross, He was buried, and He was resurrected. Simplicity of the gospel. It's not being taught with clarity the way I was taught as a child. And the things that I learned growing up in the church where the Bible was broken down and taught week after week at church, but also in the home. And actually, I'm old enough that that those foundations were still in school. And yeah. we need that restoration in the church, because if we lose the standard of truth that is eternal, then we are going to lose a lot of things, including our children and our grandchildren. And it is of great concern because they're being indoctrinated by ideologies and by people behind the ideology that are willing to be bold and courageous, far often more so than the church. And it is time for us as the followers and disciples of Christ stand up and be willing to say, this is true, and that is not. Yeah. And I'm in, a, I'm in a passionate place right now because I see the demise of a nation going on around us because we've lost hold of what is true
1: yeah.
2: and who is true.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. You know, on, on 10, as a concluding thoughts part of your book. You say the journey of pursuing an understanding of what the Holy Spirit spoke to me so many years ago has gone through many phases and seasons, and I'm certain that uh, are more to come. I'm grateful for the delays and the restraints of the Holy Spirit placed around me over the years that kept this book from being written till now. Why?
2: Well, I believe when I first received this revelation— some of the teaching of the fivefold had just begun coming out. I mean, historically, uh, for the years of my growing up anyway, most people didn't believe apostles and prophets existed today. And as we began moving toward a restoration of seeing these things, there were some uh, aspects of the teaching and the operation that became title driven and hierarchical. And I believe God put a restraint on me from writing the book publicly until now, because we've come into a place where there's a greater humility, there's a greater dependence upon each other and honoring of all of the gifts, not just the fivefold gifts, but honoring all of the members of the body of Christ, that we all have a place. to to play. We all have a role. We all have a supply, if you will. And whether you're an administrator, you're a teacher, whether it's a five-year-old teacher or you're teaching Sunday school to five-year-old kids, um, we all have something that supplies growth and strength and vitality to the body. And I believe the restraint was to bring me into a greater maturity and a greater understanding of how the body of Christ in its totality is to function together, honoring and preferring one another in in love and in the fear of the Lord, operating, strengthening each other, encouraging one another while we can encourage one another. And so I believe some of the restraint... Was for my own personal development, but it was also for the development of the broader body of Christ to be ready to receive the corporate armor without it getting twisted or used in a hierarchical, commanding, demanding way. That's not what this is about at all. It really is about the strengthening and the empowering through the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit for us to be who he created us to be.
1: Well, the book's entitled The Corporate Armor, God's Design for the Victorious Church. Jackie, again, tell us, uh, our listeners out there, how they can find out more about this book.
2: Go to J A C Q U I E T Y R E J-A-C-Q-U-I-E-T-Y-R-E.com, or CityGateAtlanta.org. And you will find a link on the page. It's actually on the homepage to go to the book. You can order it there. It's also available on Amazon. And we would be honored for any of your listeners to come join us sometime. We'd love to meet you. Reach out. And if you have questions, I would be more than happy to try and answer those or find somebody who can.
1: All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being on Crosspoint with us.
2: Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a delight.
1: Well, folks, um, great interview today. You know, she was quoting the very scriptures in the Bible, the Ephesians in different places, and uh, Jackie was telling us how to use the Word of God as the place for our corporate armor. The very Bible I hold in my hand right now, along with the book that she wrote, uh, you know, these are powerful things, but the Bible is the greatest book that's ever been written. It's the inspired words of God, very essence of life can be found there. The book accurately directs everybody's life for every day. Shows you what eternity holds for those that will follow it. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. sure join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are facing our church and affecting it. Have a great week and allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor.
0: Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, The Osho, Missouri, 64850 or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Cross Point four times a week Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen any.
2: Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417 628 3083.